1: Four oh six on the Central Coast. Dave Congleton with you on this Tuesday, February twentieth, twenty twenty four. I remind you in about an hour, we'll sit down with Tom Folks, chair of the County Democratic Party. We'll talk about the March fifth primary and wherever the hour takes us. This hour, there is a series of meetings this week featuring the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee, which means that David Wiseman from the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibilities is in studio
2: with me. David, good to see you again. Always nice to be here, Dave.
1: And introduce our distinguished attorney.
2: Uh, John Geisman is the attorney for the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. Prior to working with us, uh, going way back, uh, he was appointed by Jerry Brown as the first director of the California Energy Commission when the agency was created, and decades later served as one of its commissioners.
1: John, good to see you again. Thanks for oh, coming Jay. down. Oh,
0: pleasure,
1: uh, so, uh, Dave. So, David, let's just give us an overview. Well, first, let's start with the Basic 101. What exactly is the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee?
2: The Diablo Canyon Independent Safety Committee is a group of, of three individuals. It was created back in the late 1980s by the Public Utilities Commission to serve as a watchdog for the operations at Diablo Canyon as part of the uh, rate making for that for that case. Um, they have they've been around now all these all these many many decades. Um, an interesting thing is that the three current uh, members who are appointed for three year staggered terms have been on the committee 15 to 18 years now. So we haven't had much turnover on the independent committee.
1: Must be a good gig.
0: John, anything you'd add to that description? Uh, I'd just point out that... uh the Alliance, a couple of years ago, recommended term limits uh, for these guys. That's not to suggest that they've been anything less than distinguished in their service, but at some point, you need a fresh set of eyes looking at this stuff. The NRC, uh, which regulates the plant for the federal government, uh, rotates uh, their inspectors, I think, every seven years.
1: Mm. Uh, so, David, what's the purpose of the meetings? The meetings are on the 21st and the 22nd, so Wednesday and Thursday.
2: Well, in theory, we should be getting some of the information that is vital to determining whether the extension of Diablo Canyon should continue to move forward. Various reports were requested out of the legislation, Senate Bill 846, signed in September of 2022, and among them were a review of an updated seismic assessment and a review of any backlog or deferred maintenance that would need to be completed in order for the plant to continue operating further. And the seismic assessment was always promised and hasn't yet materialized. And um, we're very curious to see what comes out at this meeting. Are we finally going to get to see some numbers and some facts?
0: John,
1: why has it yet to materialize? What's going on here?
0: You know, it would be speculative uh, to really venture an opinion, but I would Yes, that the uh, paper that Dr. Bird, uh, the retired professor from UCLA, uh, submitted uh, in the Mothers for Peace proceeding at the NRC has caused some, some head-scratching and, and second-guessing. I don't think PGE and uh, has been able to quite get the rubber stamp that they're seeking. Tell me more about this
1: paper, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, the
0: question is, is really whether you're dealing with uh, slip faults, uh, or strike faults, uh, or thrust faults. Uh, and uh, Dr. Bird uh, has developed uh, models that the USGS has used in their National Seismic Model that suggests quite strongly that rather than uh, the slip fault that has been presumed to exist uh, off Diablo Canyon for years and years, it may actually be a thrust fault uh, and be located much closer to the plant than even the hosgree or shoreline faults. Uh, that's likely to cause uh, a reevaluation, which the legislature uh, put into the legislation in 2022, uh, but which pg e has been hesitant to do. I, I have no
1: expertise in this whatsoever, but I guess my immediate question or response is, it's been around all this time, why only now are we discovering an inconsistency among the faults. One would think we would have been aware of this by now.
0: Yeah, I I will say methodologies change uh and become more sophisticated and the the seismic uh profession uh focuses on earthquakes worldwide so they believe that their database gets expanded every time there's an earthquake anywhere in the world and mm-hmm. that gets factored into their models uh and ends up changing uh what the consensus view is what the safety agencies and including the independent safety committee try to do is come up with a model that if it's not the consensus it's at least the center body and range of informed professional opinion and that Mm. that position changes over time
2: yeah well i will ask them uh local residents may remember that over the holiday season december 27th a few days later there were a couple of small earthquakes one was um north of Avila Beach a few miles, which would put it east of Diablo Canyon, and the other was a couple miles west of um, Baywood Park in Los Osos, out under the ocean. Mm -hmm. And So I went to the um, USGS website afterwards to find it, and they do these diagrams that show you what type of an earthquake it is by mechanism. Is it a strike-slip earthquake, like the is positive of the San Andreas, where one plate slides against the other in a sort of side-to-side motion, or is it as We've said a thrust fault, where, and you'll remember a thrust fault. You'll remember it on December 23rd of 2003 because that's what we felt in the San Simeon quake. It's a question if it's one of those earthquakes that makes you move side to side or one of those up and down shakers. Yeah, yeah. And it does turn out, according to the diagrams I saw, and I ran it by a Ph.D. seismic professional, the two little earthquakes in the Irish Hills area happen to be thrust faults uh, and not strike slip faults. And one of the professionals, I said, then drew up a map of the San Simeon quake and said, aha, look, same dynamics and mechanism as was the San Simeon quake.
1: Hmm. Uh, We are talking about what is happening with the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee. Are these hearings open to the public?
2: Absolutely. We would encourage people to come. Uh, You have a good opportunity to ask questions. They allow ample question and answer periods. And what we're dealing with is... Safety committee meetings start at 9 a.m. on Wednesday and Thursday in Avila Beach at the Avila Lighthouse Suites. And they run, uh, the first day runs until 7 at night, the second day runs until about 3 in the afternoon. Avila Lighthouse Suites. You can also watch them streaming on AGP Video, our local slowspan.org community television over the internet
1: so john what ends up being the call to action here what is it you want our listeners or members of the community to know to do
2: Well, I think
0: they ought to demand that government agencies uh, take a pretty careful look at the cost of this license extension. Uh, Quite a bit of publicity at the end of the year. The Public Utilities Commission uh, ended up extending the retirement dates to 2029 for Unit 1, 2030 for Unit 2. Uh, What wasn't in those newspaper stories uh, was the fact that PUC said, We don't have any evidentiary basis to determine that this is cost effective or that extending it would be reasonable or prudent we need to do that under the law, uh, and we'll defer that decision until 2024 sometime. Hmm. So the examination of those costs, which we have every reason to believe, are going to be quite, quite expensive, including uh, one reason being that PG&E tried to conceal the costs uh, in the 2023 proceeding. Uh, we think the government really owes the
2: public quite a bit of, of diligence here.
1: Oh, we have plenty of money in Sacramento, guys.
2: You may have plenty of money in Sacramento, but Dave, open your wallet and turn it upside down and see just how much comes out. I think there's a sticker shock afoot right now among ratepayers in California. They are starting to look at their electric bills as some of the first round of rate increases to pg e They got rate increases for undergrounding power lines. They had rate increases for wildfire hardening. Suddenly, the rate increases you know what's the old saying? About, well, $5 here, $10 there, $15 here, $40 mm-hmm. there. Someday, uh, we're looking at real money at some point. Yeah. And uh, it's a statistic now that one out of five of these rate-paying customers in California is now behind in being able to keep up with their electric bill.
1: One five? One, one out of and five. in California yep. is behind on their electric bill. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yikes. You're having people in both the PG&E territory in San Bernardino and other places, coming in with electric bills, and this was reported in the San Francisco Chronicle or the San Jose Mercury, electric bills that had previously been, say, 300, 350 a month, were now coming in at 600 and $650 a month. So when
0: PG&E got their last rate increase, their Executive Vice President uh, for Regulatory Affairs, who happens to be a former member of the Public Utilities Commission, she said, hey, after this rate increase, uh, we're going to really do our best, and we expect to be successful in keeping future rate increases to the the rate of inflation. Within two months, PG&E was back in for another $2.1 billion increase, wildly in excess of the rate of inflation. Uh, Did they, they get it? No, it's still pending. Part of the magic of the, the PUC process is you never know which decision uh, actually drives your bill. And there are about a dozen each year that contribute uh, to the overall costs.
1: All right. We are previewing this uh, week's meeting of the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee in Avila Beach. We get perspective from John Geisman and David Wiseman. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. <laughs> Speaking of Sacramento, former State Assemblyman Jordan Cunningham will join us one week from today. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. First text message coming in on the Stolberg line for David Wiseman and John Giesman. Question is, I'm confused. Is this safety committee meeting about safety at Diablo Canyon? Or is it about how much money the relicensing will cost?
0: Safety meeting does not address costs at all. They, they have focused solely on safety and will insist every time the issue of costs is raised that costs is beyond their
2: remit. But if one needs to make something safe, there will be a cost involved and required to make it so. Mm.
1: So, John, talk about the brand new budget analyst report.
0: It uh, came out this afternoon, and what, this is California. Yes, and what Governor Newsom had projected in January uh, as a thirty-eight billion dollar deficit, uh, according to the ledge analyst, is now a seventy-three billion dollar deficit. Uh, which means seventy-three billion. $73 billion uh, which means that there will be a real scramble uh in Sacramento later this spring uh to at least make it look as if the budget is balanced by July 1st. Mm. Second question coming in on the Stolberg line a retired
1: I'm um, a retired former non-PGE contractor for almost 30 years. I know firsthand how important to PGE these experienced workers are during refueling outages. Do your guests know if they're planning to offer any incentives for them to return for future outages such as the PGE employees have been promised?
0: Uh, They certainly will be. Uh, The contractors do not receive the same 25% uh, enhanced compensation. Uh, They're still paid on a market basis uh, with no special retention uh, amount, but uh, there's a refueling about every 18 months at the plant. Uh, David, I know you're concerned about the, the
1: uh, safety issue, but you can't ignore the money.
2: No, because again, it, to keep right, if you want to keep the nuclear plant safe, then you have to pay to achieve whatever is required. And um, as we noted, people will notice their PG&E bills going up. They've had rate increase after rate increase. And a year from now, there will be a rate increase, if this is fully approved, of this added cost of Diablo Canyon over the five years which, at a minimum, according to the testimony in the PUC case, is $8.1 billion spread among the customers of Edison, San Diego Gas and Electric, and Pacific Gas and Electric. As John has pointed out doing the math, that $8.1 billion for five years of electricity would make it the single largest investment in any single source of energy in California's history.
1: But but I think, now, what, uh, be, I just need clarification. Is it listed that this is what the money is going well, for? No, that,
2: and that, yes, you're quite right, Dave. That's, that's the interesting thing. Everyone pays who's, who's a ratepayer of, of an investor-owned utility. So even people in San Diego, hundreds of miles from Diablo Canyon, will be paying for it, as will people living in San Bernardino. Now, at the Public Utilities Commission, all three utilities, wanting to make sure that people knew this, said we want the upcoming electric bills, once this happens, should all have a line item. A line that says, This is your Diablo Canyon extension surcharge. Yeah. Uh, so it's called out and they know right now why why did my bill go up? Wildfires, this, that, the other thing. Well Diablo Canyon. Well the three utilities, and it's rare that three utilities all agreed to something in the ratepayers' interests, put it in. The Public Utilities Commission took a red line pen to it and said, No we don't believe there's any benefit in bringing this to the attention of the ratepayers of california we're going to lump it in in a, a category we'll just call general public purposes hmm. so next year when your electric bill goes up by x amount of dollars a month for this you won't know that you're paying for those 5 years and $8 billion. John, you're about to
1: say.
0: Yeah, let's put that five years into perspective because in PG&E's grant application uh, to the federal government, they acknowledged that in the preceding five years, Diablo Canyon had generated more than $2.1 billion in above market costs you hear a lot from from their media relations people that Diablo Canyon is a cost effective source of energy but by their own admission to the federal government uh, Diablo Canyon generated two point one billion dollars in excess of two point one uh, in above market costs so if that eight point one uh, is representative of their past experience. You're talking about adding a substantial burden to what other sources of power would cost.
1: Uh, Craig found this article at Matters. Let me read part of it. Uh, California's size and geography inflate the fixed cost of operating its electric system which include maintenance generation transmission and distribution as well as public programs like care and wildfire mitigation. Those costs don't change based on how much electricity residents consume, yet between 66% and 77% of California's electricity bills are used to offset the costs of those programs.
0: Yeah, and that is a big story uh, because uh, two years ago, uh, Governor Newsom uh, snuck into the budget uh, language that requires the Public Utilities Commission uh, by July 1st of this year to change the way people are billed for electricity. Uh, And there is supposed to be a fixed charge amount yet to be determined that will go on everybody's bill, no matter how much they use. Uh, Now, last week, 10 members of the state Senate introduced legislation to cancel that Mm -hmm. uh, because as people look at it more closely, they realize that, you know, for more than 50 years, our system has been based on how much electricity you use. Uh, You want to pay less? Use less. Uh, now, there's an effort by the utilities and by the Newsom administration to push more and more of that bill into a fixed charge.
1: Mm. I got a minute before the news break. I know that Assemblymember Addis is out on medical leave. We wish her the best.
0: But what about Senator Laird? Where is he on this? You know, I think he is pretty open minded as to the best way to go going forward. Uh, he was clearly supportive of the extension. But the things that he asked for, uh, fiscal solvency, uh, a clear uh, assessment of the seismic risk, a clear assessment of the deferred maintenance problems, uh, none of that's been provided. And I think that he's going to play an important role in determining what the future of the plant is.
1: All right. Our future is we're off to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig is standing by. The very latest in time-saver traffic and weather together. We'll continue our conversation with David Wiseman and John Geisman previewing tomorrow and Thursday's meeting of the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee. Welcome your phone calls. Read more of these text messages. This is Hometown Radio. Happy Tuesday. Tomorrow on this broadcast, we have the mayor of Atascada, Heather Moreno. She'd like to be a county supervisor. She will make her case. She's running in the March 5th primary, but that race decides the election. There's no November runoff. One of two candidates is going to win. We already heard from Susan Funk. Tomorrow we'll hear from the mayor. Tom Folks joins us today at 5.05. Meanwhile, we are back with David Weissman, John Giesman from Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility, the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee, is a meeting in avila tomorrow and thursday david for folks just tuning in let's give them a brief reminder of what that meeting is about please
2: sure thing dave the diablo cane independent safety committee will be meeting and it's a public open meeting comments and visitors are welcome it is at the um, lighthouse inn and suites in avila beach starting at 9 a.m it goes all the way through to 7 p.m tomorrow starts again at 9 a.m on wednesday if you wish to view at home our local slowspan.org the agp community television will make that available for viewing does it matter which day you go uh no there's good there is good stuff either day why if you why if you come down on day 1 dave you'll get to hear discussions about is there deferred maintenance was there deferred maintenance and how much is there or hey, what about that embrittled Unit 1 reactor? There are some groups and studies that show that it's heavily embrittled, and you have now a study that says there's not a thing wrong with it. I'm sure there'll be some hot action for that one if you're ringside. And if you come on Day 2, you can hear a few of the questions we're uh, asking, which is, hey, Senate Bill 846 that made this whole extension possible was waiting for um, a seismic update, which should have been out a long time ago, why not? And what is the seismic update?
1: If you'd like to join in the conversation, feel free to grab the phone 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Always glad to read your text messages as well on the Stolberg line. Let me take you off topic for a second. Just a general question. John, let me start with you. Three years ago, if we were having this conversation and uh, Dr. Gene Nelson were to come in, I'd say the train has left the station. Diablo is going to close. The pendulum seems to
0: have shifted. What happened? What changed? I think that Governor Newsom uh, became much more enchanted with the notion of young people that vote in Democratic primaries in Eastern and Midwestern states. Uh, And all the cool kids were saying they care so much about climate change that nuclear power has to be on the table. Uh, the governor looked around and said, Well, where, where's my nuclear issue? Uh, and sticking up uh, as a tremendous opportunity was an aging uh, nuclear plant scheduled for retirement, uh, surrounded by 13 uh, earthquake faults, uh, and arguably on its way to the scrap heap. Uh, and he said, Hey, uh, I understand the Biden administration is throwing money at these things. Uh, what can
2: I do to try and get some of that money? Yeah. David, is he right? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, this notion of uh, nuclear power as a savior of the climate is sometimes divorced from the cash register realities of nuclear power. And that is whether you're trying to build a new one or you're trying to sustain an old one, it is not cheap. Um, it should be cheap. It was supposed to be cheap. You know, this summer, uh, one of the big blockbusters many people saw was the movie Oppenheimer. And uh, it looks like, by all all uh, accounts, Robert Downey Jr. is headed for uh, quite a bit of awards as his Best Supporting Actor portrayal of Louis Strauss, the nemesis of Oppenheimer.
1: Plus Best Picture, Best Director, all sorts of awards. But
2: let's stick with that uh, evil character of Louis Strauss that... Uh, he chewed the scenery up with that one. What wasn't included in all of that film was one of Louis Strauss's other performances before an audience in Manhattan, where in 1954 he uttered the famous phrase that in the future, children in our in their homes shall have power and electricity that will be too cheap to meter. That line wasn't in the film, but it certainly stands out to us. We were promised that in 1954, and the nuclear industry has been nothing but a giant cost Overrun. And we're headed that way with both keeping Diablo Canyon extended and any of these attempts to build new power plants.
1: So it sounds like both of you think politics is at the heart of this. I'm shocked. I'm shocked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're going to see it rear
0: its ugly head again in Sacramento uh, this spring over the state budget because there's $875 billion. $75 billion or $78 billion uh, deficit, but. There's an $800 million uh, pool of money for PG&E and Diablo Canyon. Uh, on January 17th of this year, the federal government announced that PG&E had gotten its grant uh, to extend Diablo Canyon. The state money that had been pledged in SB 846 two years ago uh, was intended as a bridge loan until the state got its grant. Uh, well PG&E's got that grant now uh, and as a consequence uh, there's no reason to warehouse uh, an $800 million amount of general fund money uh, for PG&E. I bet David
1: has a better idea of what to do with that money.
2: Actually. Dave, I don't, but I'll tell you what, I know there's $800 million available, and I do know this, looking through the budget, I see that nearly $661 million was cut from coastal-related programs, which include coastal resilience, armoring the coast, preparing the coast to deal with the impacts of weather and climate-related changes. As we've been seeing with our peers being battered up and down this coastline here, it would seem cutting money from that, which is a real and pressing problem might be addressed with some of this 800 million that's otherwise unnecessarily going into pg and own pockets. So I'll leave it to the coastal advocates. We see that school lunch and lunch programs are being cut. I will leave it to those who support the school lunch programs to determine and fight for that share of money. What we are simply saying is we're making it known to all these groups there's this pot of money available if you let the senator, uh, senators on the budget committee or the assembly budget committee know when they revise that budget in May, there are much better places than pg es pocket for 800 million that they're going to be getting from the federal government anyway.
0: Yeah. Under the terms of an agreement that pg made with uh, the state last year, uh, pg and will simply get the 800 from the first 800 that comes in on the grant. Uh, there's no need for a state appropriation, uh, and we think the legislature ought to make certain that there isn't a state appropriation. Well, the
1: cynicism is flying high today on the Stolberg line. It's not good for Governor Newsom to run for president, from a state spending billions of dollars on green energy with an energy crisis caused by those projects?
0: You know, I would argue that the energy costs uh, stem from regulatory problems a lot broader and a lot deeper than technology choice. Uh, When I was involved with the State Energy Commission, that's Fifteen years ago now, uh, there was always a focus on renewable sources as the most cost-effective. I don't have access to any of the information today in terms of what's being purchased to compare costs. Uh, But I'll tell you, the problem in our regulatory system is a lot deeper than technology choice.
1: Here's a question on a broader level Can you speak to the information that we do not need Diablo Canyon to meet California's energy needs and why would we need Diablo giving the fragility of unit one reactor and the earthquake risk?
0: Well I think that's one of the one of the regulatory problems that showed up last year. Uh, The PUC was required by law uh, to quarterly update its assessments of uh, resources that had come online and to, to focus on renewable and, and so-called clean resources they stopped doing that at mid-year so they ignored their third quarter report uh and they ignored their fourth quarter report uh the alliance moved to take official notice of a report that governor newsom had put out the night before he met with Xi jinping in china uh, and that report, uh, you know, Xi Jinping is the biggest vendor of battery. Uh, materials and batteries themselves in the world, so it's important to look good in front of your vendor. Yeah. Uh, that report showed that by the end of 2023, uh, there would be some 6,500 megawatts of new battery capacity installed in California, three times uh, the size of Diablo Canyon's uh, capacity. PUC refused to take official notice of that so I think there's an open question as to just what the need uh, for additional power from Diablo actually
2: is. You want to tackle that David? Also reminding folks that remember SB 846 begins in the preamble by conditioning the need to keep Diablo is based on reliability. They are worried about as John has done the estimation 600 hours a year 4 to 9 p.m. from June through September. That's where we see the crises in power or the need for blackouts or brownouts. And so the answer is, well, how do you fill that small gap? Because it's only a fraction, a percentage of the year. Do you throw $8.1 billion at it? Or do you say, well, we've got these batteries of 2,000, 3,000 megawatts here, 2,000, 3,000 megawatts there. They charge up during the day, and when we get to 4 to 9 p.m., you discharge this bank of batteries, you discharge that bank of batteries. Not a lot of energy being used between 2 a.m. and sunrise, and they charge up again. Do we go with the system we already have, or do we continue to throw more money? Because Diablo will be generating those expensive watts, whether you need them or not, 24-7 I think, John, you've spoken of your experiences with Great Davis. Focus
0: focus on that 600-hour need period versus the 7,800 hours that Diablo Canyon is designed to operate each year. And you find this isn't just a square peg round hole problem. This is the equivalent of trying to stuff a 4x4 beam down a one-inch wide (laughs) garden hose.
1: (laughs) All right. We're uh, talking about what is happening this week with the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee coming to Avila tomorrow and on Thursday. We get perspective from members of the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. John Giesman is here. David Weissman is here. We'll come back for a final segment right here on KVEC. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We are in our final segment with David Wiseman and John Giesman from the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility, previewing what's happening in Avala this week, tomorrow and Thursday meeting of the Diablo Canyon Safety Committee. If you want in on the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. I guess, John, the question becomes, what's in this for PG&E?
0: What do they get out of the extension? You know, it's been pointed out that PG&E is not supposed to earn a rate of return or pass through uh, any benefit to shareholders. Uh, from the various expenses that are authorized uh, for the extension in SB 846. Uh, But the reality is that money is fungible, and what they want to do is take those expense budgets uh, and mix them into their overall uh, expense profile and convert expenses that have been displaced elsewhere into capital investments. For about the last year and a half, they've openly bragged about their ability to do that in their quarterly financial updates to to Wall Street. Uh, and it is a very dynamic source of profit for their shareholders. The current CEO, Patty Poppy, is the best CEO from a Wall Street standpoint uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, she has relentlessly cut costs, uh, and increased uh, shareholder return as a proportion of overall revenues. The stock is up substantially uh, from when she took over, and her compensation is up as well. On the
1: Soberg line, I was told by a PG&E contractor that at night, Diablo provides 25% of electricity in California. Does that sound right?
0: I don't know what the percentage is because it runs all the time. It's reasonable to think that that it does crowd out a lot of cheaper sources. Uh, power is pretty cheap ordinarily uh, at night. Uh, Diablo, on the other hand, uh, has the same cost every hour of the day because you've got to you've got to operate the thing 90 uh, percent of the year. Also on the Stolberg line. Newsom is promoting electric
1: cars. Last summer, regulations came from Sacramento to increase the making of electric cars. The next day, we had rolling blackouts threatened.
0: Uh, If you're an auto manufacturer, electric cars aren't looking like such a bargain anymore. Customers seem to have stopped buying them uh, compared to to last year. I think the jury is out as to whether that is going to be uh, a big contributor to electric consumption going forward or a white elephant. I guess the other thing I'll add is that uh, check out these recharging stations that the taxpayers are paying for. The Energy Commission just stuffed another $200 million into their vendor pool Uh at the same time acknowledging that they haven't checked as to how many of the existing rechargers are working or what the maintenance program is.
1: Let's take a call. We've got Linda in Los Osos. Hey, Linda. Hello. Hi.
0: I, I've got a question. Sure. I'm concerned about the, as many are, the embrittlement issue with Reactor One. And what I'm wondering is, is it possible to condition the grant money that PG&E will get on testing that vessel first? No, DOE's already entered into a binding contract uh, for the grant money. Uh, The state has the ability to require a test. uh, The state could could, uh, hold things up uh, until such a test has been performed. Uh, The Department of Water Resources, uh, under its loan agreement with PG&E, has the leverage to do that. Oh, Department of Water Resources? Yes, and they will be at the meeting, I would think, uh, of the safety committee. They've been pretty diligent about attending uh, important meetings that the safety committee has. Well, that would be wonderful because it would be great leverage to use to get that tested so we know the you know status of the embrittlement. So thank you very much.
1: Linda, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. 805-543-8830. If you want in on this conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. Meanwhile, on the Stolberg text line, when it comes to climate change, it's all about CO2, and Diablo Canyon produces zero CO2 while providing 24-7 power.
0: And if you think that we only have a finite amount of money to reduce CO2, you want to spend that finite amount of money as efficiently as possible. Diablo Canyon is the best way to waste that money
1: Hmm. Which brings us back, David, I think the biggest surprise for me is what you were explaining about the bills earlier. And with one in five, Californians are now behind on the electric bills.
2: That is correct. And if the Diablo Canyon extension goes through, they will be paying for that on top of that as well as we've discussed earlier. And that charge will be hidden on their electric bill in spite of the fact that PG was willing to make it visible. The state's decided to put it in a lump sum item at the bottom of your bill, so you won't even know Diablo is costing you more money.
1: So if I go through the Central Coast Energy, am I paying less for electricity now, since I don't have all these hidden surcharges?
0: Uh,
2: You're going to be paying for Diablo
0: Canyon. They locked in all of the community choice aggregators, including Central
2: Coast Energy. So you're a proud payer, Dave. But the line item won't be on the bill telling you that your bill will just go up.
1: Well, wait a minute. I thought I was going to go with Central Coast Energy to get away from PG&E and yeah. Diablo Canyon. Uh,
2: Non-bypassable surcharge—that's the language in Senate Bill eight forty-six. Really? <laughs> All passed. Remember, at one oh seven in the morning on the last day of the session, you weren't there to oppose it either. You were asleep, so was the rest of us.
1: On the text line, we have the sarcasm and the cynicism just flying today. I've never heard a safety committee talk so much about money. Well, we're not the safety
2: committee. Yeah. We're you're, the Alliance for Nuclear about, Responsibility. You're talking about the money. Yeah, Yeah. The safety committee won't, but if they do decide there is a seismic unsafety, retrofitting would cost money. If they decide there is unsafe materials or machinery that needs retrofitting or replacement, that gets added to the bill, too.
1: Uh, On the Stolberg line, a question, do we have the infrastructure to recycle all these batteries from overseas?
0: Unclear, but there is a market uh, for battery recycling. A guy set up a plant uh, next to the Tesla uh, factory in Nevada uh, several years ago, specifically aimed at the used battery market. Well, Diablo
1: Canyon, is assuming that if we're to go through, do either one of you see it going past
0: 2030? Absolutely. Uh, PG&E, uh, despite the fact that the legislation limits it to only a five-year extension, PG&E has applied for a 20-year license yeah. extension. So, uh, I would think that part of their plan is once they get to 2030, uh, come in for another extension from the state. Let me pull you off topic for 30
1: seconds. I have a lot of respect for both of you. And David, you live in Morro Bay. Is this wind project going to happen?
2: Uh, From what I've read from my thing, uh, the economics don't bode well for it. The costs of wind offshore energy continue to climb. The East Coast projects, of course, those aren't in as deep offshore water as these are, which may be its own set of of, um, technical challenges. Have been canceled. The, the costs for it again. We're talking about money. You see, energy yeah. is money. Money is energy. Energy is right. money. Uh, may bode against it. Uh, that's this really can depend on the financial situation. Yeah,
1: John. I'm at the one minute mark.
0: You know, I would say that if you rely on markets, uh, which our system does, uh, you're going to see dollars aimed at solar and batteries long before you ever see the offshore wind uh market develop here hmm.
2: but the, interesting Go ahead. the money i would care about most right now is the money we pointed out is available in our beleaguered state budget in that 70 billion dollar deficit 78 billion dollars we are seeing budget cuts that could affect our coast we are seeing hundreds of millions taken out of the programs for sea level rise coastal protection ocean protection our state senator, John Laird, is on the State Senate Budget Committee. District members, his constituents, could certainly call his office and let him know, hey, we understand there could be $800 million available for more worthwhile projects than giving money to PG&E that they're going to be getting from the federal government anyway.
1: I sure hope someone's going to step up and help these people pay their electric bills.
0: Somebody needs to. John, yeah. thing you want to say in closing? Just that this is a long and hard road, uh, and the public is suffering right now. Uh, it's by no means over. Uh, and when PG&E says $8.1 billion, it's important to point out that TURN, the utility ratepayer organization, says, no, they're still hiding more than $2 billion. It's well over $10 billion.
1: All right, gentlemen, thanks for the conversation. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. Tom Folks is in the house. I'd stick around.